Welcome to the Cobra Cast with the present VP. For this episode, we would like to thank these valued partners. Is your scratched window ruining your view? Starting from scratch to your experts at removing scratches from windows and any glass surface. Whether it's general scratches around the home or a knife graffiti tag shop front, they can remove it. They're also helping the environment by saving the window from being dumped into landfill while bringing the glass back to its former glory without the scratches. Don't replace your scratched window. Repair it with Starting From Scratched, your glass and scratch removal specialist for home, shop fronts and cars. Call today for a quote, 87595629 or find out more at startingfromscratch.com.au. Alright, welcome to the Cobracast with the present VP. I'm your host, Rifty the Prez, Ricky Logan. Uh, my co-host over there, Ed Dog, Ricky Etridge, the VP. Um, mate, we're heading overseas. We've been to bloody Europe. We've been to freaking America. We're going everywhere. So where are we headed today? Mate, today we are off to Asia on our first stop of our two trip to our two league trip on this weekend. We're off to uh, Bali, an island within within Indonesia. Oh, very nice. We're going to hit up the beaches. We're going it's, to. It's 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 very nice, depending on who you ask, I guess. Well, let's yeah. leave it at that. Move along. Continue. <laughs> so let me guess. You want to know how far away it is? How many hours it's going to take us to get there? Yeah. Correct. Okay. Well, it's actually just under five thousand kilometers, so quite a short trip for you and me. This time around, um, and it would take us just under six hours to get there, which not a bad trip. Yeah, well, that's definitely a more manageable flight than the last few we've had to take, that's for sure. Um, so it covers just under 6,000 square Ks and has a population of around 4.5 million people. I'm sure there's a few more that head over there and bloody pack out the bars and stuff at times, but uh, it's a very popular tourist destination, of course, with uh, Aussie tourists. And uh, one of their most famous landmarks is Mount Batar. Uh, it's an active volcano located at the centre of two concentric calderas northwest of Mount Agung on the island of Bol. Bell. <laughs> Sorry, you just missed the eye. <laughs> No, nah, mate, I'm not missing the eye because you didn't type an eye. <laughs> oh, man, you're missing the eye. <laughs> On the island of Bali. Jesus Christ. I apologize, mate. But um, how crazy is this, right? So it's an active volcano. Yeah, people that go there are there to climb the volcano. Dickheads. Like, uh, that was my opinion. I was just like a bunch of dickheads, but that's what they do. So uh, the Indonesian national sport, what I could find or soccer, or football, but before you sit there shaking your head, some are arguing it's also badminton. So I couldn't get a... Some countries don't have a national sport. They have a popular sport, and that was, you know, football and badminton. So don't oh. don't be too offended, mate. They're both pretty average sports, either way. Barely call them sports, I guess. Oh, uh, I don't know. You ever hit a shuttlecock? It's pretty good fun, mate. A good hobby. I wouldn't call it a sport, but anyway. Nasi Kampur is said to be the national dish. And it's certainly one of the best traditional food of Indonesia. Um, I don't know if I even said it right. 
Uh, it means mixed rice and is literally that. Rice served with a mixed variety of local dishes like chicken satay, grilled chicken, beef rendang, vegetable salad and prawn crackers. So, Look, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to sound like you know, insensitive, but it just sounds like a MasterChef challenge. I watched MasterChef the other night recording this and um, it was literally two-minute noodles. Had to put something with it. I was just like, shit, maybe I'm a master chef. That's all that sounds like to me, but hey, I'm not a master chef, so I could be wrong. But uh, let me give you a bit of a story about the history of footy in Indonesia, mate. So, Indonesia, it is, it is currently played in Indonesia by clubs in Jakarta and Bali, the geckos we're chatting to, and by, the, um, and by another club called the... Borneo Bears, based in Balikapan. Thank you. These three clubs being mainly made up of expat Australians. There is also a league consisting of local villages around the Tangawadi area in West Java. The Jakarta Bintangs. Why does that not surprise me? There's a club called the Bintangs. <laughs> That's why you go to Bali for yeah. it, isn't it? And the Bali Geckos, you know, our club, regularly contest the Java Bali Cup and participate in the Asian Australian Football Championships, which we've spoken to the Thailand Tigers about. And if you join the next episode, we'll be chatting to the Osaka Dingoes about. So, yeah. Yeah, so the national team in Indonesia is called the Indonesian Volcanoes. And we just so happen to be joined by... Not only the founder of the Bali Geckos. He sounds like a bloody... The stories we get told from not just in this episode, but episodes from Thailand and Osaka, this Hinchy bloke's a bloody legend. Yeah, he's definitely a legend of Asian football, that's for sure. But we're also joined by their star player and captain of the club, Jack Ahern. Fantastic story. So before you go any further, this kid, like... We got off the, uh, when we finished recording this, we actually got off and I spoke very, very highly of the way this kid turned his life around and hopefully we see him running around the AFL one day. Yeah, definitely. He's a great story and definitely, you know, you should listen to the, to the episode and watch. And um, our first sort of real, let's, let's face it, he was superstar that we've had on in his actual former AFL player, and I just so happened to have played Jeez, for... I a, hope bloody uh, Scott Jones doesn't take offence to that from Cardiff. Well, this is our first, uh, you know, ex-AFL player we've had on. Oh, yeah. He happens to, happened to have played in a premiership as well, unfortunately. Um, and that's Ricky Olerenshaw. So he's uh, done some fantastic things over there with Bali and the Bali Geckos, and we're going to chat all about it. So enjoy this chat. And we'll catch you later. All right. So today we are joined by uh, three blokes from the Bali Geckos. We have uh, the president, and I hear he's uh, uh, the living legend of Asian football, and that's Greg Hinchcliffe, Hinchy, as he's better known. Yeah. Uh, woo! <laughs> uh, we're also joined by the Bali Geckos coach in Ricky Olerenshaw. Woo! And their thanks, Prez. Uh, their their star player and captain, uh, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice one, Jack. Uh, welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we do appreciate your time and uh, 
let's get straight into it and uh, find out a bit about garlic, uh, barley geckos. Uh, so we've got a couple of questions for Hinchy to kick it off, uh, as you were one of the founders of the club. Um, so when and how did the club get started and why did you choose the geckos? Um, mate, it was uh, 1997 and uh, there was a, um, a guy I knew from Perth who was bragging about how good he was playing footy for, in Jakarta and I knew he was a bit of a hack so I just thought, mate, bring, bring your team down here and I'll play on you. And uh, he said, you haven't got a team. And I said, well, if you're coming, I'll, I'll make one. And so that's how we were born. And uh, then we, you know, we had people supporting different clubs all over Australia. So we couldn't go with the old stock standard, you know, Tigers or Hawks or uh, any of the things that represented one of the other clubs. And we thought, what, what animal is uh, associated with barley? We went with the geckos, sticky hands, you know, good athletes, all of that. Climb up, climb up things and take big hangers. So that's how we ended up with the geckos, and then and then the colours being the blue and green of uh, you know the rice paddies in the ocean. Beautiful. I reckon that's one of the best uh, founding stories of a club I've heard. That in fact you just wanted to challenge a bloke to a game of footy. That so you started a club club up to to challenge a bloke. I love it. Yeah, he did, and he didn't turn up. <laughs> the, the team turned up without him. Well, that's even better. Yeah. Um, so how hard was it to get players in those early days and, and sort of what was the ratio of Aussies to Indonesians? Uh, the very first game, uh, there was no, no Indonesians at all because they, they uh, had no idea what, what I was trying to rope them into. So I was just um, roaming the, the streets of any of the blokes I knew that looked like they might have handled a footy once before. And... Um, yeah, you know, I knew a few. I, I owned a. Uh, I was running a restaurant back then that was was um, you know pretty popular. So I knew a lot of people around town and just started rounding up anyone that I thought might have a half an idea, which was not very many. <laughs> so, so we only played ten aside, and I think we had twelve blokes. Yeah, I agree with Rifty. That's a hell of a story as to why club started. Um, just for you, Jack, how did you end up over in Bali and getting involved with the geckos? I, um, in May 2016, I put myself into a drug and alcohol rehab, so I was a, I was a drug addict for four years, and then I went to rehab in, in Bali, and I spent three months in a uh, facility, walking around there, kicking a footy to myself, um, thinking of playing footy again, and then, and then I was in a halfway house program in around August that year and, and I found them on Facebook and I strolled down there and um, I remember the first training being put on Hinchy and, and I thought I've got this guy covered. Like, uh, he used to be quite fit and um, I reckon I was smoking 60 cigarettes a day at that time <laughs> and I, uh, I didn't know that Hinchy was the fittest 50 year old in the Southern Hemisphere and he, um, he absolutely towered me up but that's how it started and I've been every single week since the last four years. Uh, very good on you, mate, for doing what you've done. It's um, very hard. We know a few people that have gone through their struggles and it's always um, tough to come out and talk about it. So credit to you. Um, Ricky, how did you get involved with them? Uh, I moved to Bali a handful of years ago and I was—I never thought I'd play footy again. I was very reluctant to head down and play f- football. My body was just about knackered, but I, uh, I caught up with Hinchy. Hinchy heard I'd moved to Bali and we caught up and he 
invited me down and I reluctantly went down to the footy club and um, and that was, I think, around two... Hinchy, correct me if I'm wrong, about 2013, I, I reckon it was. And the club was, at that point, struggling a bit. Hinchy, we didn't have too many numbers and um, we weren't playing many games. But uh, um, Hinchy got me down and I got my passion back for footy again and um, got heavily involved around about 2014-15. The club's just um, been awesome since. It's changed my life here in Bali. I've come here... Um, you know, I met a great bunch of guys. One's Hinchy and, and another one's Jack, who's come from a different background, you know, drug addict and turned his life around. And to play alongside both of those guys has been a, a real privilege for me. And um, it's just a great footy club to be a part of. We, you know, we travel all over Asia playing footy. And, you know, to play one game of footy, it's amazing what we do, guys, isn't it? To play a game of footy. We, you know, we, we spend eight hours on planes and we get taxis and, and buses and all over Asia just to play one game of footy and sometimes you wonder what we're doing and is it worth it but um, those days we have playing footy together and and coming away and you know you're, you're tired and you're knackered from a game of footy but um, even at our age Hinchy, we, we still love the the competition and, and playing footy and, and winning and seeing someone like young Jack come through and start fixing up his footy career which he lost his way for a few years and now he's He's um, getting inquiries now from Australian clubs, um, wanting to play back home. Um, so it's been a great journey for, for myself as well. Um, joining, I guess, uh, re-engaging with footy at the age of 40. It's been, it's been great. That's fantastic. And it's good that uh, you're able to, to use footy as an as a outlet to, to help with uh, your recovery and stuff, Jack. I, I commend you for that. And it's um, fantastic what, what Hinchy's been able to set up over there. Um, we also. I think with Jack, we had to get special permission for you to travel to Vietnam for the Asian Champs when you were still in rehab. I think you were only seven or eighteen at the time. For the first, for the first two months, I was at the Geckos. I was still in a program for, I think, two months. So I had to go to the bosses of the rehab and, and I obviously asked my family. And Hinchy actually went and reached out to my old man and said, "Hey, like, is this actually all right?" And, and they were like, "Yeah," but they couldn't believe it. Like we were, you know, we were so sort of shocked that there was this going on in Asia and, and like I just expected to go down there and have a kick of the footy and the next minute I'm asking these guys who are helping me change my life, hey, is it all right if I uh, go to Vietnam for four days with the footy club? That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've we've had uh, fortunate enough to speak to a fair few clubs around the world and, and it's something we being from Victoria, we have football clubs in bloody every corner of the the state and um, the fact that you guys have to travel hours to, to go play games is something we, we just can't understand. We, we struggle to get blokes to go 45 minutes to South Yarra for a game. <laughs> so uh, it's amazing what, what uh, the international clubs are able to do. And um, I think it, it just shows how passionate people get about footy once they do start playing it. Uh, but Hinchy, although, although, although saying that, Ricky, though, it's funny how it's hard to get, some guys to training from Kuta to Chengdu, but those same guys find a way to get to Vietnam and Japan and all the places to play footy. So playing and training is a different different beast altogether. Yeah, if, we, if you're able to solve that riddle, I'd, I'd love to know how because, uh, yeah, we struggle to get our numbers to training, that's for sure. But they're all of a sudden ready on a Saturday to play. Uh, but you guys have also started up uh, the Pink Geckos uh, last... Oh, yeah, last year. How did that come about, uh, Hinchy? 
Uh, yeah, um, again, you know, with the club, I'll just uh, roll it back a little bit with uh, what Rick was saying when, when Rick got down. We'd, we'd had a lot of success in the early uh, 2000s and then, um, you know, very, very tight-knit bunch of players and, and, uh, yeah, and families that were all involved. And then um, most of them started getting a bit too old for footy and started hanging up the boots. And that was pretty much the time when, when Rick got involved too, where... Uh, uh, we were down to very few numbers. Couldn't couldn't put a team together to travel much, and um, um, so yeah, just go back a little bit back on the history. Then when Rick got involved, we got a new lease of life and uh, reached out to a lot of newcomers to Bali. And obviously, with Rick's profile too, he was bringing in a lot of um, a lot of uh, travelling AFL players on their on their seasons breaks and ex players, and and it, yeah, it's instilled a massive amount of life back into the club and. Um, Gone through now into the second phase of our of our uh, of our life as a club, and so the club will now will you know doesn't exist because of a few people. It will be its own entity, which hopefully will go on for a very long time into the future. And and part of that with the the success of women's footy uh, in Australia, there was obviously a lot of uh, you know there's been a, a lot of demand worldwide for for girls to get involved or women to get involved in in this game and. Uh, in Bali, which is quite, quite amazing. Probably only half the people were Australians that had ever seen it. Um, Rick's got a gym in Bali in F45, and a lot of the uh, female members there got involved there from all over the place. Rick, we've got the US, got uh, English. Um, yeah, help me out, Irish, I think. Yeah, well, I think, I think that's the difference between the, the men's and the women's team. I think the men's teams made up of a lot of guys from sort of Melbourne or Perth, traditional AFL um, areas of Australia with a few Indos thrown in. Um, I think I've got one English export in Matt Stevens, but um, traditionally we're Australian guys who have got a background in AFL, whereas the women's team come from all over. As, as Hinchy said, we've got girls from all over the world um, who just love being part of a, of a team and a club. So I got to a point there, um, earlier this year, we had more women to train than men because uh, the girls were just loving it and they wanted to learn and want to get better and they're excited about you know touring and playing games. So um, I guess the corona hit the pink geckos at a really tough time because they had really great numbers and um, it was good to see the mother daughters coming down. But um, a lot of expats have now left the island um, because of the impact, pretty much the economic impact and things like that. So at the moment, our clubs. Um, I guess we might be back. We were six years ago. Hinchy, we got you know a lot less numbers here in Bali at the moment, um, and hopefully a lot of those people come back as the economy comes back. But um, yeah, the, the the women's team have been a great lease of life on the footy club. Yeah, we've uh, been talking to a lot of clubs, and uh, it's been a common thing with the women's footy is that they're, they're actually starting to get better numbers for women's footy all around the world than uh, men's, and I think. A lot of these places that have sort of rugby and uh, as their main sport, um, you know, there's a lot of women that aren't really attracted to that type of physical sport of just running into each other. Whereas uh, the Aussie rules are, seems to appeal to the women a bit more, and um, you know, their bodies are a bit more suited to that style of sport. Uh, I think they just—I think they haven't learned how to protect themselves as well. I think growing up playing football, you learn how to protect your body, particularly your head. Watching the women, they just all run for the ball, all with their head down and bend, and bend over at the same time to pick up the ball. And had that many head clashes during women's training. That's the, that's the worrying thing, um, trying to teach them how to look after their body and, and not get hurt. Because every time someone gets hurt, 
you get a few girls who you don't want to come back, you know. So, um, you know, we've got to be really careful in how we introduce our girls into playing, particularly playing games. Yeah, so has it, has it been hard to sort of get players um, the last couple of years for the men and the women's? Or is it, um, are, you, are you getting I, numbers easy enough? Um, I think, well, we've had a resurgence, as Hinchy said, as as he pointed out, we, we had a, you know, I guess the old year of the, of the get-go's Hinchy, where they had a lot of success, and then those guys you know, moved on, had kids, whatever else, and then we had an influx of sort of expats who moved here at the same time um, and joined the footy club, and then I guess we've just been able to attract more and more players as expats have moved to Bali, or they got, they knew the club existed, like Jack found out. Um, but I think also, I think the introduction of AFL boys have been great. Um, guys, you might remember this. When Dustin Martin showed up to training, we, we put it out there that he was coming down. And all of a sudden, we had about 40 blokes at training. And I think it might have even been New Year's Eve. Um, we had about 40 guys at training. And half of those have been trying to con down the club for a number of years. And they heard Dusty was there. And all of a sudden, we had a cast of thousands. So I guess having AFL boys come through has always helped um, recruit you know, new players. Is that a standard thing, having AFL players come through on their off-season to attract, like, to help get players down for a run that normally you're sitting there going, nah, I'll just come to game day, games and not training? I, I think so you've had players come through. I, I think I first joined the Gagos back in 1999, yeah. I reckon I came down and trained with you. Yeah, yeah. So, again, back in my early days of, of when we started the club, um, and there's always been... Been AFL players on end trips, and whenever I'd run into them somewhere, I'd I'd uh, invite them down to have a kick. And, you know, over the years, we've had we've had uh, you know superstars come through, and yeah, we've been very privileged with that. And they love coming down because it's such a unique experience. But uh, they're 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 going right. Yeah, let's have a kick in Bali. How crazy is this? And um, uh, yeah, so even since even prior to Rick's arrival, well, Rick was one. One that I met in, in the restaurant I was running. And uh, at the time, I think you and Tyson Lane came down together from memory. So, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, again, just whoever you'd run into, invite them down, have a kick, and they love doing it. And uh, we, one, of the, one of the great stories was 2007. Sorry, 2006. We met Cameron Ling on, an, an, on his end-of-season trip. And then in 2007, he'd already organised all the boys because they didn't make the finals in 2006 from memory. And uh, he'd organised the boys first week after the, the grand final to be in Bali. And so the entire premiership winning Geelong team is in Bali, come down to watch us play Singapore and Singapore didn't, couldn't put the numbers together and didn't turn up. And so, so all the Geelong boys had you know, been having a couple of quieties or probably not so quiet ones, but uh, they just start. Lingy, Lingy pulled on the boots in the first quarter and was dominating. And I was, I was captain coaching the other team, so I went and recruited Tomahawk and a few others. And then we we kicked back, and before you knew it, we had half of Geelong on either team. It was just an amazing game. Some of them played barefoot, and yeah, away we went. Yeah, it's good to see that blokes that even when they get to that top level that when there's a chance to have it just a kick around and have some fun, they always you know, are keen to get involved and not as, um, not as much pressure on them, I guess, at that point in time. Um, you've also got a junior program that's been set up. How did that come about? Yeah, again, just uh, with, you know, with the love of the sport and with, uh, with Bali growing with the expat community, there was, there, was a little, there was a push for the Aussie kids at least to have a kick. Um, 
We've been breaking. We've been trying to work with some NGOs to get into the Balinese schools with that, and it's something that we're working working with. Um, our uh, there are our sister club in Indonesia in Jakarta does a very good job of getting into the schools there, um, and they've got they've got volunteers that are paid for by the by. Uh, What's what's the name of that NGO, um, Rick? Uh, yeah, um, Australian uh, Volunteers Program that they have. Yeah. The government has. Yeah. Yep. So the government backed, and they put a volunteer in, and so we're we're in the throes of getting that done in in Bali as well. But we're not quite as successful into the schools yet. But certainly, just the junior the juniors for anybody for the Australians. Um, it, it comes and goes. We get different waves of, uh, of large numbers. Um, uh, I think uh, we were looking pre-COVID to have, a, have another influx of decent amount of kids this year, but uh, that's obviously taken a back step now. So, yeah. Hopefully, once all this uh, blows over, you can get some strong numbers again in that junior program. Uh, back to you, Jack. You said that you know, once you start at the get-go, you've been there every week. So whereabouts do you guys train and play? We um, generally we train at formerly known as Changu Club, but since Red Club now. Um, I know my first experience when I went down there was I was a bit confused. So I wasn't, you know, I didn't know what to expect. Whether we were we were training on an oval or, or what, and you know, we trained on this sort of extended rugby soccer field. That you know, when we play a game, it's only ten aside. Is a comfortable number. Twelve aside is generally what we end up having to do. But that's all changed now, and we're sort of just training, like on a, on a futsal court, and going red futsal ball, and play some soccer once a week, keep the camaraderie together. But I know for me, it's been a different experience and a fun experience learning to play games on a, on, a, on such a small ground. It really changes everything that we sort of learn when we're playing footy in Australia. You know, we have to have a 35 metre arc and all that kind of stuff. But it's good fun. Yeah, so what, what sort of time of the year do you actually play a season? Uh, again. Yeah, what time of year do we play? We, we actually, um, we try to follow the Aussie rules season in Australia. Um, uh, but we'll happily go beyond that, especially when teams are travelling up to Bali on end of season trips. So we, we'll quite often play games October, November, uh, just to finish off. So... Um, have a break around about Christmas, but again, if people are in town, um, we we might rev it up. Like when Dusty was there over the last couple of New Years, boys have been happy to rev it up a lot earlier. We used to traditionally try and start on Australia Day. Oh, okay. So that's uh, quite an early start, and it can be a long season if you're playing all the way into November. Yeah, the, the difference being we don't play games every week, so we're actually. Uh, we, we, Physical toll on the body is not not as much. I mean, we, we're doing you know, training and then maybe a game. We try to get one a month. Or a month yeah. All right. Um, and so since you came across Ricky, the the geckos have been quite successful. Uh, how have you guys gone in the Asian Championships? Uh, we. Well, the first time we took Jack, uh, that was in 2016, correct me if I'm wrong, 2016 we took you to uh, Vietnam, Jack, and you starred. Uh, so we won uh, B grade as the Bali Geckos, and then we went back to, uh, again, Hinchy 2017. Where was that played at? That was 
What was that, Jack? Vanilla. Vanilla, that's right. And we won, uh, we won B Ray again. I think you won the Norm Smith medal, Jack, the best on ground, the grand final, um, and got all Asian from memory. Not that year, but Norm. Not that year, okay. And then we got promoted to A grade, but we we joined with um, the other Indonesian teams and formed an Indonesian uh, team called the Indonesian Volcanoes. So we had an A and B, uh, and we won the Asian champs in A grade as the Indonesian Volcanoes in twenty. 18, that's when you got all Asian, Jack. Um, and and Hinchy played in that premiership side as it was a 52-year-old Hinchy. Yeah. And, um, yep, yep, you starred. Um, and Dean Laley was our assistant coach at that time. So, uh, obviously, when Dean was in a better space, he, he'd come along on that trip and um, was our assistant coach, which was, was great to tap into his footy brain. And then uh, last year, we didn't quite uh, do as well. So... We're aiming this year to bounce back and, and we're looking okay early in the season. We had good numbers and we're, we're pretty fit. But I think this year now, um, we're not sure what football will get played. Uh, might be just some domestic footy against Jakarta or up in Batum. Um, I think Asian champs and, and obviously the, the Masters tournament, which we hold um, every year, which Hinchy started, what, 10 or so years ago, the, the Bali Masters in June. Um, will be obviously postponed till next year. Um, so when our next game will be, it's hard to say. So uh, you mentioned the Bali Masters. I may as well ask about that. Uh, how many players do you get coming across for that every year? Well, we're claiming it as the biggest uh, biggest amount of teams that go to any tournament in the world. Last, okay. year, we had, last year we had 47 teams. Um, Admittedly, we're on small fields, so there's only nine aside taking part. But uh, we had three age divisions, uh, over 35s. It was over 47s last year, but it'll go back to over 45s from here on in. And over 55s is the, uh, the oldest. And, um, yeah, we have support from... Major the majority of the teams come in from Australia, um, WA and Victoria being the two biggies, but quite a few out of Darwin. We got yeah, almost every state in Australia apart from Tassie is represented, um, and uh, at a club level that is, so not at a state level. And then we we get a few Asian teams joining it as well. So it's a massive tournament. It goes over three days, spread over two locations. Um, yeah, forty-seven teams this year. We were looking to have over fifty, so it continues to grow. It's it's uh, it's a so, yeah, yeah, as we said, probably the biggest amount of teams that get together anywhere in the world for an AFL tournament. Yeah, well, our, our former coach and a good mate of mine, he, uh, he came over for the over 55s. And from the day he got back, he, he was raving about it, saying, oh, you've got to come over for the over 35s next year. It's um, the best trip ever. And, yeah, he absolutely loves it. He was, he, I think he probably almost had his flights booked for, for this year, but... Unfortunately, it's not going to happen. But, yeah, he, um, he, he could not stop raving about how much of a good time it was to play over there. Yeah, cool. Yeah, we find that a lot. Most teams, like, we very rarely lose a team that, like, that every year it's growing. And, and um, everybody doesn't want to lose their spot if we ever start uh, limiting numbers, which... Yeah, it becomes more and more difficult logistically as we're trying to get more ground. So, you know, we might have to limit numbers at some point. 
Uh, it's good to hear that you guys run a successful tournament. Uh, speaking of competitions that you run, you also run a Bali, Bali Nines. And in 2019, you hosted the AFLW Bali Nines. What, that, what is that competition and how do you guys run it? Again, based a little bit on the success of the Masters, um, we, we thought we'd set up a women's comp and uh, last year was the first of those. Um, again, very little notice, so it was quite small for them, but it was a start for them. Uh, and they expected to have uh, eight to ten teams at this year's October tournament, which again, probably, uh, well, we haven't officially called it off, but uh, yeah, let's face it, that, that probably won't go ahead. Um, uh, so yeah, so that's 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 a brand new one. The um, the men's open nines has taken a back seat to the the masters, um, uh, but it is something that we could look to revamp again in, in coming seasons. So do you ever get sort of Aussie clubs that want to come over for their end of season trip, but also want to try and get a game against the geckos? Yeah, quite often, and uh, it's. A, it's uh, typically a little bit of fun those games because the uh, the team the teams on a on a holiday and they turn up you know beer under arms or whatever just thinking they're going to have a have a little social kick and um, our guys are itching to have a proper game because they don't get many <laughs> normally yeah. normally turn up you know fully fully fresh and ready to go and uh, yeah so we've got to work out the uh, the rules beforehand on, on who's allowed to run on you know. And run through a guy with a beer in his hand or whatever. So yeah, it's always a bit of fun. I can imagine an end of season trip to Pine some footy would be a, a bit difficult. Um, so you mentioned before, Ricky, that obviously uh, you have the ability to get AFL players to come down. Through doing this uh, show, we've found out a lot about Asian football and how there's such influential um, people involved. Having your profile does that help build the game, in not just Indonesia but also in the Asian region? I think we've been lucky in Bali. We have so many AFL past and current players come through for their holidays and still want to engage with footy and love being part of the Bali Geckos. I think, as Hinchy said before, it's happened ever since we started. You know, I, I went down, had a train run with them you know, 20, 20 years ago. Um, so I think we've been lucky in that regard. And the players do love coming down, both past and present, way to keep fit and just enjoy their footy and... Um, we've had some huge names come through, haven't we? Here, some you know some of the biggest names in footy come through, and which gives you know our guys a, a real buzz. To, and I'm sure Jack, you've enjoyed having a run alongside guys like Glenn Archer and Dustin Martin and Dane Swan, these sort of guys. So um, it's been awesome for, in terms of our profile as a footy club, and and help you know I guess raise the profile of footy in Asia. Um, you know this this health epidemic is going to really impact football in Asia. Speaking to other teams, a lot of the a lot of their expat guys have had to move you know move back to australia or to other areas so it's going to be really tough to rebuild clubs so we're going to have to face a real challenge now hinchy's moved back to perth after 30 years in bali so he's a huge loss to our footy club um he's pretty much ran the club solo for a lot of years um so it's going to be a really challenge now for asian footy to get back to what it was you know recruit numbers i think now we have to really focus on that on the on the local um market you know try and get more Locals in for us Indonesians and Balinese to play footy. That's our challenge. And, um, you know, guys like Jack have just been great ambassadors for the sport as well. Not just myself who's played AFL, but guys like Jack and Hinchy have been just as great for the region. And um, when we get to play next, that's, you know, I guess we all want to play. That's the thing. And um, Jack was going to go back and play some games 
in the quaffle this year up on the Gold Coast. He mixed out, he's going to miss out on that opportunity now. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a bit, some big challenges we've got to face here in, in Asia as well, not just not the back in Oz. Yeah, it's um, hopefully this sort of gets over this uh, a bit quicker than, you know, what they're sort of predicting and you guys are able to get some sort of normality happening and, and get all the, the, I'm sure once they open up flights back over to Bali, there'll be a shit ton of Aussies getting on planes to get over there. That's for sure. Well, that's um, what we hope so. We need it for our, <laughs> need it for our economy. There's a lot of businesses shut here at the moment. So, and the yeah. beaches are shut. So Jack and I are going crazy because we can't surf. Oh, um, so Jack's become, Jack's become a bit of a marathon runner and um, checking out chicks at the gym. But uh, he's, <laughs> he's, uh, yeah. Um, we need Jack up and running again because he's, he's, he's a potential star. Hopefully draft, maybe. Right, well, he's going to be fit, that's for sure. <laughs> he's fit, no doubt about that. Doesn't drink, doesn't smoke. Okay, I've caught him smoking a couple of times, but he cops a whack from me and straightens out again. But uh, no, Jack's, a, Jack's a, uh, a role model to a lot of us. Oh, awesome. Um, but so speaking of the club uh, and keeping it afloat and stuff, how, how hard has it been... How hard has it been to to get sponsorship and support for the club, Hinchy? Yeah, um, not as easy as you'd think um, on the sponsorship level. There's there's not a lot of corporates that have head offices in Bali. Um, so other other companies around, uh, sorry, other countries around Asia that have footy teams, um, there's normally a head office of a of a major multinational. Whereas in Bali itself, it's a lot of small business owners, um, and we, we, you know, we, we do have community involvement and have a lot of uh, have some small businesses wanting to be part of us. Uh, but it's yeah, it's nowhere near as easy to go and find that that big guy that can you know underpin the whole whole club for the year. Um, but yeah, but we we've got a fair reach into the community, and we love speaking to all the small businesses and see what we can do there. Um, but yeah, the sponsorship's always a challenge. Yeah, and what about um your your playing gear and training gear? How hard is it to get footies and stuff over there? Yeah, again, uh, we, well, we're lucky that manufacturing in, in in Bali is quite cheap, and we've one of our one of our founding members is, owns a uh, manufacturing business. Um, uh, so Spear Sportswear is his brand, and so he makes makes our gear for us, um, as well as a lot of other clubs in Australia, mind you. So. Uh, well worth yourselves having a look at that Spear Sportswear. But uh, apart from that, um, footies, uh, yeah, again, we just try to bring them up through because people travel a lot to Australia. Um, thankfully, we get some donated here and there, but then we'll, we'll just try and uh, purchase them through through contacts at the right price and bring them up ourselves. And, and the Masters, AFL Masters, support us every year with all footies for, for that tournament. So, uh, yeah, they, they help make training balls for us as well. Um, a lot of clubs that we've spoken to in the Asian region do a lot of work within their communities. Do you guys do a fair bit of work for the community in Bali? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's been something. Well, I mean, there've been different different events over the years, but I, I, I half straight back to the uh, back to the Bali bombings in two thousand and two was probably the one where we got most involved as a club. Um, at that time, we we all banded together to uh, 
to do what we could to assist those that, that needed it. Um, there was all of us helping out in the hospitals and, and the morgues at that time as well as... Uh, uh, and then from that, uh, we started we started a, an October football tournament and um, we were supporting a charity, which is the widows of, of the Bali Bombers. Um, so the, the, widow, the Balinese widows of uh, the, the Balinese that died during that bombing, um, they were left without a breadwinner and there was a charity set up for them and that was our major charity that we supported. That, that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm mean, yeah, quite enjoying hearing all these clubs around the world even though Aussie Rules isn't the main sport in their communities, they're um, you know, rally behind their communities and get stuff done and raise money where they can. Uh, the social side of stuff, this is my favourite topic. What kind of functions do you guys have for the geckos? And obviously, like you may not go on an end-of-season footy trip due to the amount of travelling involved during the season. Yeah, yeah where do we start with this? Every, every, yeah. <laughs> every trip we go on is, uh, is a massive social event. Um, afterwards, every every training night is a social event. We live in an island that is is a fully social social environment. So um, yeah, social. So we do social very well. Um. Yeah, you, so I think Hinty leads a charge in that. Hinty's one of those guys that he just gives his all on the footy field. Doesn't like coming off. Never comes on the bench. He just plays the whole game. But then leads a charge on the dance floor at night as well. And he's one of the guys that seems to get through to breakfast without sleeping. He's the best at that. Um, and Jack's job to look after me, isn't it, Jack? You, I'm not as, as good a drinker as Hinchy, so Jack's role as the as the as a sober one is to look after the old guys like myself and get us through unscathed. But um, yeah, we have some great trips. We we lost Brian Lake in the soccer. We uh, well, what we come home one down on that one. Um, but we've had a few. Uh, Dane Swan come to Batum with us um, last year. Paul Williams came and played in the in an Anzac day, game in Vietnam. So we're getting a few AFL boys now who who have joined the ranks. Callum Murch, who played a handful of games at Kangaroos, loves playing for the Geckos. He says he's, he said he hasn't enjoyed footy as much and since he, you know, before draft time when he was a junior. So we get a lot more AFL guys who have retired and, was, and just want to come back and, and enjoy their footy again and come on tours. So hopefully we get a few more um, over the next few years as well. Hey, Rifty, um, someone looking after somebody, does that ring a bell with you? Uh, yeah, it sounds like me. Every single function, um, I'm the sober one. Don't drink. Designated driver. Every and um, I've been now nicknamed the Uber driver. So, I, yeah, I make sure plenty of the boys get home safe. But, yeah, well, lucky we got we ride a motorbike here, so it's even more dangerous when you're not coming, trying to get home on a scooter. Oh shit! Um, and he's, he's he's got a few scars to mm. from his from, from from his cooter days. Yes, yeah, we won't go into those, but yeah. But <laughs> Jack, Jack does make sure that we uh, we get to the airports on time too, which can can also be a challenge at the end of a end of a long footy trip somewhere. Actually, so. yeah, trying to get you through customs Hinchy after a game, after a few beers, isn't it? Jack? It's a nightmare, isn't it? It was actually he drops a year his ago. Loses his passport, drops his card, credit cards. It was a year ago today that we flew to Singapore to play Singapore, um, and we and we won, and we all flew in in the morning about seven a.m. Land in Singapore 9:30. Played the game at I think in the afternoon about 4 p.m. And um, me, Rick, and Hinchy decided to book the 4 a.m. flight back from Singapore. So we were out till the early hours of the morning. And, and I, I can remember vividly um, myself and Rick staring at Hinchy with his cold, 
kit thrown everywhere in the middle of Singapore Airport. And it's amazing that he makes it through customs sometimes. It's quite remarkable. It's something to be seen, to believe, to be honest. Um, it, was, it, was, it was quite remarkable. And we got on the flight. He jumps on his Tasvana and he drives home. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, <laughs> sounds like a, a good weekend. But uh, obviously you've had a, a fair few uh, highlights through your time, Rick. So what's been the biggest uh, highlight since you've been over in Asia? And, and same to you, Jack. What's been the biggest highlight for you playing football over there? Oh, we've had a few, haven't we, boys, over the last few years? We've, we've, we've won a few trophies, which has been nice. Um, so uh, the highlight, uh, I, I guess it's been funny when we've played those those champs and won them. Um, some of the boys have been surprised how happy I've been because I've I, you know, I played an AFL premiership and they thought it wouldn't compare to something in Asia. But I guess we know how hard it is to win premierships. And when you look at our team, we've got such a broad spectrum of players, you know, guys who have come from the brink like Jack, um, older guys who never thought they'd play footy again. Just such a mix of guys, but see them all come together and 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 win something, and how much it means to them. Um, that's probably been for me looking from outside the team as a highlight, just to see how stoked these guys are to actually achieve something um, in their footy where they might have thought was past them. Even Troy Luff, who'd never played in the Premiership before after playing <laughs> footy for over forty years, just to see how happy he was when we won the the Bali Masters and the Asian Champs. Um, I think that's for me as a as a coach of the team, has been a highlight for me is just seeing the, the excitement that get, the other players are getting. About you, Jack, you've won a few best and fairest as well. I think for me, um, in 2016, when we won in Vietnam, uh, I saw how much it meant to Hinky because obviously he started the club 20 years ago and that was the first time that Bali had won and I didn't appreciate that one as much, but it would certainly have to be when we won the A Division in 2018. Like Rick said, it was everything just aligned and, and, you know, it was nice to have personal achievements on the day, but we finally all played well and it was sort of the starting point of a real good relationship with Jakarta, which when I first came to the club two years earlier, wasn't wasn't there. And, and then, you know, two years later, now they're all our mates and we can get along and you know, that could be the last time I win a premiership. I hope it's not. But, but uh, I really sunk in when Rick spoke to us after that, you know, this might be the only one you ever win. And it was really enjoyable. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I was trying to avoid you talking about the grand final that you won as a Carlton supporter, but uh, thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> well, I can is it? I can see an Essen jumper in the background of you, Ricky. So you're obviously yeah, yeah. a bomber, man. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm the smart one here. He's he's mentioned it every chance he can get. So, um, <laughs> but uh, what's we're going to throw some players under the bus now. We want we want some dirt on some of your teammates. Um, so just a few sort of funny things about your teammates. We're going to go through, um, and and you can either sort of all pick one each, or, or if you all agree on the same person, just uh, oh, I've got a hand, Jack Pothole. Pothole, we've got a player. He's got the greatest nickname of all time, and Jack loves to hang dirt on him. So I'm <laughs> going to hand you over to Jack. All right. So, but the first one is who's who's the ladies' man? <laughs> Definitely not Pothole. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to say this point in time, it'd have to be Jack. I reckon Jack's 21. He's a good-looking guy. He's he's in Bali. He's beefed up a little bit. I have to say right now, it, it'd be Jack. Um, 
He's only yeah. just overtaken me, though. I mean, I held the medal. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I turn 54, I'll start to lose it to him. Mate, your dance moves are always pull chicks, mate. Let's that's, that's not get away from that fact. Are you going to throw someone else under the bus or are you just going to take that one, Jack? You're, just, you're happy with that? Uh, we'd, we'd have to throw Adam Bilwani to... to... His, his ladies are close to men, but... Basically... <laughs> <laughs> he's, known for, he's known for going to a pretty dirty gym in, in Legion and sitting on the, on the spin bikes and just watching. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. <laughs> Yeah. Go oh, not very PG. Uh, where do we start? Come on, Hinchy. Keep it, keep it clean. Yeah. All right. What was the next question? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the class clown of the club or the Joker? Oh, Rick leads the way there, surely. There's always a bit of humour on the training track, and then whenever there's a chat group, boom, the uh, the humour starts flying straight off. But uh, I mean, let's face it, we, we started the whole club. We all, we all had to wear board shorts. That was part of the uniform. So there's always been a lot of humour in the club. Uh, yeah, there's, if you don't have humour, you don't fit in very well. But, uh, but yeah, I'd say Rick's, Rick's leading the way. Jack, you got any, any other nominations? I guess you could go with Chris O. Chris O's a <laughs> uh, Yes. Not very good, but he, he, he tries really hard and he... Um, he just loves a laugh, and it's a shame that he's not in Bali at the moment. It'd be good for us all. Got anyone else, Rick? Oh, where do we start? Tim Tracy's preparation before a game at the, at the Bali airport. He's having a pie and coke, and hang on, I got my daughter chatting away to me. She's a little pink gecko. <laughs> um, who's your favourite geckos player, Kanaya? Who's your favourite? Who's your be- who's the best player for the geckos? Uncle Jack, Uncle Hinchy, Uncle Rod, Uncle Steve-O. She's got plenty of uncles in the geckos. I like... What about Jack. your mum? Duck. Wayne Carey? Yeah. Oh, you like Jack. Yeah, he's a good player, isn't he? And you like Uncle Wayne Carey, don't you? He's one of your favourite? Yeah, okay. All right. Sorry, guys. We're a sidetrack. Yeah. We get Wayne Carey coming down the club a lot. But... My wife's favourite is Jordan Degoe. He's been down the club and she loves Dusty. They're, they're mummy's favourites, aren't they? All right. See you later. Bye. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. We're throwing blokes under the bus. We can go, we can go all night, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't think we need an answer to this one because from the sounds of a hint, you're the party animal of the club. Oh, no, mate. No, no. I just point him in the right direction and then and let, let the herd loose. And, uh, yeah, there's plenty, plenty that go past me. All right, so what about the bloke that just takes the game far too seriously? Well, as I well, said, well, I think you said earlier, we've always been, you know, we've had a yeah. lot of humor. But uh, so it was pretty hard to find someone taking it too seriously in the early days. But I would have to lean towards all the full forwards. Just kick it to me and I'll do the rest. <laughs> Does that sound familiar, Ed Dog? Not at all, mate. Don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I think Troy Luff fits in that category, Hinchy. I remember he yeah, just Yeah, we've wants had to... a few over the years. Yep. Yeah, Luff is always about kicking it to him. Then we moved into centre-half back in the championship to shut him up. Yeah. So, he's one... I threw a whiteboard once, coaching, so I probably took that game a little bit too seriously. 
Yeah, well, uh, uh, we had, actually, what about we had Mark Bagley? He was, at the time, he was the current Essendon vice captain. And he played for us against Jakarta. And went to set, he got sent off for punching a bloke. One punch one of the Indo kids. <laughs> so, yeah, um, Asian school kid, wasn't it? No, not yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he, the he, he kid was hanging on to him. He was tagging his jumper. And, and Mark went, warned him to let go. And otherwise, he got to whack him. But the kid didn't understand English. And kept <laughs> hanging on to Mark. And Mark gave him a whack. And he went to send him off. Yeah, another yeah. full forward, Simon Buck. Very serious. Oh, Simon Bark, yeah, he, was, he took things pretty seriously. Yep, he, uh, he a typical full forward, had the tipped hair, and and I think even wore like high white socks, was it, Jack? Something like that. So, yeah, we got a few full forwards to take it pretty seriously. Yeah, far too much slander on full forwards here. Yeah, and Bryce, Cri- Bryce Critch, who's our vice captain, um, and our captain of the Indonesian team, he thinks he should be a full forward, but he's about four foot three. But he thinks he should be playing one out in the goal square. He keeps telling me every game. <laughs> we all know one of them. Um, the next one, which I don't actually think we're going to need to get an answer for, it's the mum and dad of the club. So the, you know, the people at the club that, the people at the club that if they weren't there, they'd be lost without. And I think Hinchy, you'd be uh, probably right up there, mate, with the one bloke that if the geckos didn't have, they'd be lost without. Well, I'm down in Perth now, mate. So they're uh, we've we've let them through, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we're about to step up. <laughs> they seem to be coping fine so yeah I'm sure, uh, sure the club will continue well well um, so you said Jack's the social media man for you guys where can everyone go to follow the uh, Bali geckos and find out about you guys we've um, we've got our Instagram page which is extremely active um, <laughs> We go through phases of posting lots of stuff for nothing, and uh, that's just the Bali geckos. And then we've got the Bali pink geckos as well, um, which is easy to find through our own Instagram, as well as the Bali geckos football club on Facebook. It's pretty easy to find as well. I think the Bali pink geckos have their own Facebook. We always get messages. It's a great place for people to connect to us. I think we've got about six admins, um, so generally messages get responded to pretty quickly, people want to come down to training and sort of involvement, like you guys contacting us for this and, and so on. Uh, awesome. We'll definitely share all the social media when this goes up. But uh, I just want to thank you all three of you for your time. Um, it's been great chatting to you guys. And uh, I wish you all the best of luck with hopefully getting a bit of a season up at the tail end of this year. And Jack, I wish you all the best with uh, you know, trying to get, get back to a, a higher quality of football. Um, and, you know, for the rest of your career, I wish you luck with all that. Um, is there anything else you want to add at, Doug? No, I reckon you've covered it there, mate. Thank you three very much. It's uh, highly appreciated, even for a Monday night at 8.30 after my birthday weekend. So I'm, uh, I do appreciate it. Thank you. And hopefully see you. Hope you see your uh, club over here in Bali next year for the Bali Masters. Long weekend in June. Um, yeah, well, I'll, I'll end the recording and I'll tell you why. All right. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Cobra Cast with the President VP. Uh, thanks again to our guest and make sure you go check out all their social media and follow along with their journey. But at Dog, where can everyone go to, to get these links and stuff? Mate, you head to our Facebook page and uh, you can search the Sandown Cobras Football Netball Club or Sandown Cobras FNC. Our Instagram at Sandown Cobras FNC. Our Twitter page at Sandown Cobras. 
There's another page on there at Santa Cobras FC. Ignore that. Twitter won't delete it for some reason. Uh, you can also check out the Cobracast on iTunes and Spotify. Um, other than that, I reckon that's about it. Oh, sorry. You can also head to our website, www.sandancobrasfnc.com.au. Being remastered, all good to go. New website. That's it, mate. Yeah, go check it all out. Make sure you follow along all the clubs that we've had on and, and uh, you know, follow along their journey as they keep going in Aussie rules all around the world. So we hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for watching the Cobra Cast with the present VP. And if you need somebody to talk to, why not contact New Life Psychology in Berwick? They are now taking phone appointments. Or you could head to otlr.com.au for tips and info. And we are supporters of TAC's Towards Zero campaign. Head to towardszero.vic.gov.au for more info because zero is the only acceptable number. Hey Siri, play the Cobra Cast with the present VP. Now playing podcast Cobra Cast with the present VP.